0: Good morning. good morning hey go ahead and find a seat great to be with you all this morning hey if you don't know me my name is Justin I have the privilege and joy of serving as one of the pastors here at CLB uh, always a pleasure and a privilege when I get to be back in the pulpit so great morning thus far I, I agree with Roy everything he said it just feels a more indifferent Sunday amen It's very clear that the Lord is here, His presence is just so beautiful, and I I just love taking it in with the family here this morning. So, that being said, I hope Genesis has been a great series. We're actually going to be wrapping up here in the last couple weeks, in the next couple weeks, and it's been amazing. I hope it's been as refreshing and as foundational for you as it has been for me. Um, This will be our first Old Covenant book that we've actually preached and taught through as a church, so we can give God glory for that. Three years old, preaching through the book of Genesis, and it's been amazing. And before we jump into our passage today, Genesis 40 and 41, I just want to ask a question and a little bit audience participation. By a raise of hand, how many of you have ever had a weird dream? Probably all of us, right? Weird dreams. Sometimes these are the dreams that, uh, you know, you wake up and you almost laugh to yourself because they're so ridiculous or silly. Uh, sometimes it's the dreams that you wake up and it felt a little bit too real, and you're kind of discerning was, did that actually happen, or was that just a dream, and you almost wake up frustrated and like, oh wait, that didn't actually happen. Sometimes you barely remember the dream, and you're like, I know I had a weird dream, but I, I don't remember, and it's gone, right? But then there's those other dreams, on the other hand, that have a little bit more of a lasting impression, right? They seem a little bit more vivid, and you could honestly remember even years later. And so while I'm asking all these questions, because we're going to be seeing dreams here in Genesis 40 and 41, and we need to understand and get some Bible underneath them, right? Because sometimes I think they're just these weird phenomenons, physiological responses of just all of our emotions and thoughts shaken up in a pot and left there. And the Bible actually shows us that dreams are not just these things. That Dreams aren't a bad thing. In fact, we're going to see through our passage that dreams can actually be a very good thing. And that God can actually use dreams. He can use visions. He can use those things that are a little bit more complicated in our minds and confusing to actually speak to us and bring about a lot of good and a lot of closeness with him. And so before we dive into our text this morning, again, I just want to continue to ask for God's blessing. So would you pray with me and pray for me? Father, thank you for this family. Thanks that this isn't a lecture hall, but a living room. We get to enjoy your presence. Help us to get rid of all distractions, all afternoon plans, all the worries and troubles on our minds right now, and that we would zone in. Holy Spirit, we want to hear from you. No one's here to hear me, not even me. God, we're here to hear from you. And so speak. Your servants are listening. This is your house. We love being here. We love you. In your son's name, Jesus. Amen. 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 Well, before we dive into the text, I want to get us all kind of on the same page. I'm going to have some definitions up here on the screen. And that's because you'll be hearing me use these words quite frequently throughout the message, and I want to make sure we're all on the same page. So talking about dreams and visions, I put visions in there because dreams and visions are very closely tied together. A vision, I'll start with that, is simply a way that God shows us something in our mind a way that God shows us something in our mind, even the word vision, visual, right? We see something in our mind's eye that God has revealed to us. Now, a dream is simply a vision while we're sleeping. So you can think of it as vision while you're awake, dream while you're asleep. And all of us who have had dreams kind of know what it feels like when we have those kind of visual things in our mind's eye, right? Sometimes it can feel like a movie, sometimes it can feel like scenes or just little pictures here and there. But essentially that's what a vision and dream is and we're specifically talking about the ones that God gives us. And so to put definition and language to that, I would have a couple more definitions. You'll hear me use the word prophecy and prophesy. And now again, I want to take a breath. We have biblical definitions this is completely biblical prophecy is simply a message from god and sometimes it comes in the form of a dream or vision and prophesy is simply the verbiage it's to share that message from god and maybe it's through a mes- a dream or vision whatever it might be you're sharing the message so we have dream vision we have prophecy and prophesy the verb so i want to get on the same page as you hear me use those I want to make sure we all know what I'm talking about. So we'll start with our passage because we're going to be looking at Genesis, the Old Covenant. We'll actually see that throughout the Old Covenant there are dozens of examples where God actually speaks to people through dreams and visions. We've already seen a handful through the book of Genesis, right? And so we actually almost kind of notice that this might actually kind of be God's favorite way to talk to people in the Old Covenant. And I want to show us that through the passage. If you look with me, uh, we'll be in Genesis 41. A little bit of context as you're turning there. Genesis 40 sets us up well for this. Uh, Essentially, what's going to happen is we remember that Joseph was actually sentenced and falsely accused by Potiphar's bride to be in prison. And so Joseph finds himself in prison. He's making some friends in prison. He meets the Pharaoh's uh, ex-cupbearer and ex baker and during this time, the cupbearer and the baker both have these dreams, and they're troubled by them. They don't know what they mean, and they come to Joseph wondering if he can interpret. And Joseph, the character that he has, he gives all credit to God saying, this is God's business of interpreting dreams. So God gives him the ability to interpret both their dreams. He starts with a cupbearer, and it's great news for him. He interprets that this dream means that in three days, he's going to be released from prison and reinstated to his position as cupbearer. Joseph is so confident, he knows this is what God says. He even says to the cupbearer, remember me, mention me to Pharaoh when you're reinstated, that he might release me from prison as well. But on the other hand, unfortunately, the baker hears this and he's excited. Well, what's my interpretation? Um, If you would look with me in Genesis 40, verse 19, it'll be up on the screen. This is what he has to say about the baker's tree. (laughs) He says, in three days, Pharaoh will lift you up and impale your body on a pole. Then the birds will come and peck away at your flesh. Uh, This is God's word. Let's pray out. (laughs) Unfortunately, it's not as great of interpretation for the baker as it was the cupbearer. But if we fast forward, this is where it's been now. So two years have moved on from this. Uh, We'll actually see that the cupbearer totally forgot about Joseph. Now Pharaoh himself is going to have a couple dreams. And Pharaoh is going to wonder the same thing. Who can possibly interpret this? So if you read with me, Genesis 41, verses 1 through 8. Two full years later, Pharaoh dreamed that he was standing on the bank of the Nile River. In his dream, he saw seven fat, healthy cows come up out of the river and begin grazing in the marsh grass. Then he saw seven more cows come up from behind them from the Nile, but these were scrawny and thin. These cows stood beside the fat cows on the riverbank. Then the scrawny, thin cows ate the seven healthy, fat cows. At this point in the dream, Pharaoh woke up, as probably all of us would, (laughs) but he fell asleep again and had a second dream. This time he saw seven heads of grain, plump and beautiful, growing on a single stalk. Then seven more heads of grain appeared, but these were shriveled and withered by the east wind, and these thin heads swallowed up the seven plump, well-formed heads. And Pharaoh woke up again and realized it was a dream. The next morning, Pharaoh was very disturbed by the dreams, so he called for all the magicians and wise men of Egypt. When Pharaoh told them his dreams, not one of them could tell him what they meant. So we see here Pharaoh's troubled... Uh, the cupbearer is present for all this, and he's thinking in the back of his mind this unfortunate epiphany. Oh shoot, I forgot Joseph, and it's been two years, and this poor dude's still in prison. And so, in this moment, as he's seeing Pharaoh trying to get interpretation, none of the magicians, none of the wise men of Egypt can understand it or interpret. The cupbearer speaks up and says, "Hey, I think i I think I might know a guy." And so, we see in the response here, it continues on. Verse 14, what is Pharaoh's response? It says, Pharaoh sent for Joseph at once, and he was quickly brought from the prison. After he shaved and changed his clothes, he went in and stood before Pharaoh. Then Pharaoh said to Joseph, I had a dream last night, and no one here can tell me what it means. But I have heard that when you hear about a dream, you can interpret it. Again, look at, look at the character of Joseph. It is beyond my power to do this, Joseph replied, but God can tell you what it means and set you at ease. And so we're going to see here Joseph's response, right? He gets out of prison, a shower and a shave. They bring him up to Pharaoh, and he's able to interpret. Giving God all the glory, we'll see the interpretation means that these seven scrawny cows are going to represent a famine. Seven withered heads as well. And again, it's these two dreams communicating the same thing. But the seven fat cows and the seven well-formed grains will mark prosperity. So Joseph interprets that God is telling Pharaoh, seven years of prosperity, followed by seven years of famine. And you need to prepare. It's a a kind warning from God to speak to Pharaoh, and Joseph is able to interpret. And through through this, we see that God is speaking, again, in a very kind way to to gently warn and, and let them know they need to prepare. And not only does he warn, but he actually provides through these dreams and providentially to get Joseph out of prison. God is using these dreams and these visions to work all things for good for his people and especially Joseph. And again, if we look throughout the old covenant, it is littered throughout with different ways that God speaks through dreams and visions. Very normative. In fact, almost maybe his favorite way to speak. And so we can see God's heart in some of this as we look at this. But one of the cool old covenant examples that, that prophesies actually about the new covenant is found in the book of Joel. Chapter 2, verse 28. This is God speaking. It says, Then after doing all those things, I will pour out my spirit upon all people. Your sons and daughters will prophesy. They will share messages from God. Your old men will dream dreams, and your young men will see visions. So not only is God saying here, hey, this isn't just normative in the old covenant. Prepare, because this is going to be normative in the new covenant. This is one of my favorite ways to speak to my children, to my people. And so prepare, be ready for that. And so if we look out throughout the uh, new covenant, we see the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus. Jesus comes on the scene, and after that, at Pentecost, he will outpour the Holy Spirit upon all the believers. And this new era will be marked with the Holy Spirit, that, that these believers are now spirit-filled. And, and it marks a new era of power, of signs, wonders, dreams, and visions, just as Joel prophesied. There's plenty of examples in the New Covenant as well if we read our Bibles. Men, women, believers, non-believers. And maybe you're asking the question though of all these examples to, to maybe take a step back. Why would God choose to speak to people through dreams and visions? Like if God could just speak audibly, wouldn't that be a lot easier? If God could just speak, maybe miraculously write on a piece of paper and they just can see it like that, like an ancient text or something, but why dreams and visions? It's a good question. Number one, I'll start, he's God. He's God. And as God, he sits in the heavens and does all that he pleases. And so when God so chooses to speak through dreams and visions, does it not communicate that it pleases him? That God takes pleasure in speaking to people through dreams and visions. And I don't know about you, but I, I never want to be the guy who stifles something that God takes pleasure in. If God takes pleasure in, get my heart there to match him, right? And so number one, he's God. He can do what he wants. and I mean, God's heart, we need to understand as his people, is not to conceal, but to reveal. The gospel message is proof of that. He is not here to hide, but to give, to reveal, to show us, and to make it clear, to make it simple. God, if we know our Bible, we even spoke to a man through a donkey, which is just great encouragement to all of us preachers. I mean, I'm not going to lie. That is a great verse that I just put in my mirror. Yep, okay. He spoke through a donkey. I should be okay this morning. <laughs> but that's number one, right? Number two, I think, is that the human heart is busy, is it not. Are we not busy bodies? Are we not the Marthas, not the Marys in life? So distracted, so many thoughts going through our minds, almost like a movie reel. We never stop thinking. And usually we don't find ourselves thinking about the right things, unfortunately. Ecclesiastes 5.3, a book of wisdom, tells us a little bit about dreams. In verse three it says, too much activity gives you restless dreams. Number one, this communicates again, that sometimes not every dream is from God. i just putting that out there, right? I, I call them sometimes the late night Taco Bell dreams. <laughs> Maybe you, you ate late and, and you just ate some bad food or something. I don't know. Your body's all out of rhythm. Physiological response is going crazy. And, and you know, right? These are the dreams that you're like, okay, that's totally not the Lord. Usually forget it. And I think that's God's kindness. But it also shows us this verse that there is a restlessness, there is too much activity in our lives, and I think God capitalizes on dreams. I think because there's eight hours, Lord willing, in a night, on an average night, where we're undistracted, and that God capitalizes, say, you've been so distracted, all the other hours of the day, I finally got your full attention, let me speak now. And I think even there, we need to see this with Pharaoh, right? Right? He's not even a believer. And yet God gets his attention to warn him about this coming famine. Even a modern day example, how God speaks through dreams and visions to reach people. Uh, There are Muslims right now receiving dreams of this man whose name is Jesus, robed in white. And it leads to these beautiful, insane stories of salvation that started with a dream. God got their attention. And in the same way, how much more would the father be willing to get our attention as his children? Yeah. So not to freak us out, but to encourage us. And, and like these dreams, sometimes, like Pharaoh's, the dreams can be a little bit more warning or revealing, right? But most times, in most testimonies of the people who have received dreams, the interpretations of those dreams are very comforting in nature. They're very encouraging, very reaffirming, very reassuring in nature. And that's the heart of God. And many times we're stewing on something, God meets us in a dream to encourage. And so just to let us know, that, that's generally the heart of what God does through dreams. Number three, the, the reason God may speak through dreams and visions is because he promises that we can actually hear his voice as his sheep. John ten twenty seven says, My sheep listen to my voice. I know them, and they follow me. At every born-again believer, everyone who has the Holy Spirit, everyone who belongs to Jesus... You can hear God's voice. This is not for the super spiritual Christians. This is not just for the prophetically gifted Christians. This is something that is for all people who belong to Jesus ordinary people with an extraordinary God. And this is how He speaks. God speaks in more than just scripture. <gasps> I said it because it's true. God speaks to us more than just through Scripture. And let me clarify, obviously. God, When God speaks outside of Scripture, it will never contradict what He's already spoken in Scripture. God's the same yesterday, today, and forever. He's not going to contradict Himself. He's the same Holy Spirit who wrote the Scriptures and inspired these men to write these writings, the same Holy Spirit that's speaking to you. And this doesn't mean that every word that God gives you outside of Scripture needs to be canonized in the Scripture, right? We can calm down there. But if we're going to tote as Christians that it is, is truly more about a relationship rather than a religion, then we have to understand relationships go both ways. Mm. That we don't just talk to God. God can talk to us. Right. Right. Hallelujah. Yes. And it doesn't end when we close our Bibles. Right. It just doesn't. Mm. Number two, I, I want to just give us these Two ways that God speaks, and just to make it very clear, we do have God's voice in the scriptures, hallelujah, but we also have God's voice in the specifics. Here's an example. God's voice in the scriptures, the Holy Spirit speaks to us about the kind of person we should marry, but God's voice in the specifics, the Holy Spirit tells us about the specific person in our life to marry. Right? There, there's no Bible verse that says Justin Larson should marry Jayla Howard. That's just not in the Bible. And yet, as the Holy Spirit spoke to me through our time of dating and getting to know one another, the Holy Spirit gave me peace and said, yeah, she's the one. And I felt just this peace, right? And it didn't contradict Scripture. It only reaffirmed what Scripture was telling me. She is a godly woman with godly character. And he was only reaffirming what he had already spoken. So, again, God's voice in the Scriptures, God's voice in the specifics. Amen? And so I want to encourage us. I want to invite us into a little bit more of the prophetic, where dreams and visions would actually be a very comfortable, normal part of the Christian life. It always has been. Why wouldn't it continue? And so in order to do that, I want to give us a biblical bullseye, a target for us to aim at as a church, as a family. It comes from 1 Corinthians 14, verse 1. It says, let love be your highest goal. Amen. But... You should also desire the special abilities the Spirit gives, especially the ability to prophesy, to share messages from God. And here's why, if that's the target, we, we want to earnestly, eagerly desire the spiritual gifts, especially prophecy. Biblical command, by the way. Why? First Corinthians 14, verse three and four goes on and says, but one who prophesies strengthens others, encourages them, comforts them a person who speaks in tongues is strengthened personally but one who speaks a word of prophecy strengthens the entire church it's so a church is that not a beautiful picture of what cob has the potential to be uh, do we not want to be a church that strengthens each other do, do we not want to be an encouraging church do we not want to comfort others is that just something that says eh? That's all right. Good for Corinth. (laughs) Or is that not the vision that God has for every single body? The local church is meant to be a place where people can be encouraged, strengthened, and comforted. And God has made a way through the gift of prophecy for that to be done in a supernatural way. And so I believe God wants to fill us like that. I I believe God wants that for every single person in this room, for you to be able to hear from him and to share words that strengthen comfort and encourage. Because that word desire, if I go back to that verse one, you should also desire the special abilities. That word desire in the original language literally means to lust after. That the only time lust is appropriate is after the spiritual gifts. That Paul says, no, 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 don't, don't be open and cautious. Lust after them. Lust after them. With every fiber of your being, you should desire these so eagerly and earnestly, especially lust after prophecy. That's God's word. And so many of us, I know, have barriers when it comes to desiring some of the spiritual gifts, maybe some of the more miraculous, revelatory, especially prophecy. Maybe you've seen some weird things on TV, you've seen some weird church practices, you've seen some weird things on YouTube. Maybe you've actually been hurt by the gift of prophecy. And to that, I hate that, I hate that. And I'm sorry that happened to you. It is not how the gift is meant to be used. And unfortunately, there are many abuses of the beautiful gifts that God gives. But they're gifts nonetheless. Just because God wouldn't use it that way doesn't mean that we should get rid of it altogether. God has a purpose for them. And if we use them correctly, they are a beautiful thing. And so in the same breath, while we will not go into unbiblical disorder or chaos or carelessness, we cannot stay in unbiblical fear, indifference, or disobedience. Let me say that again. While we will not go, as a church, into unbiblical disorder, chaos, or carelessness with the gifts, we cannot stay in unbiblical fear, indifference, or disobedience with the gifts. And so maybe what is hindering us as a church, if we were to kind of take an inventory, what keeps us then from truly diving deep to to lusting after these beautiful gifts? And number one, I want to preface, maybe it goes without saying, but we're not forcing God's hand with any of this. We can't do that. We're not trying to do this. We can't control if God gives us dreams or visions or not, right? That's up to him. He gives the gifts according to how he pleases But we can position ourselves to receive We can come with eager and expectant hearts tender and ready to love people and to hear from God And so the two things that seem to always hinder those motives number one is time For be honest, it's just we're restless right too much activity And how many times, if we're honest with ourselves, do we actually make time to listen to God? I think we we probably have our rhythms of meeting with God to to read our passages and to maybe journal and to pray, but but honestly, none of that is time just spent intentionally waiting, saying, God, I'm giving you the floor. Say what you want to say to me. I'm all ears right now. I think many of us times, many of us, when we want God to speak to us, (laughs) It's like we want him to speak like we're going through a drive through window rather than a sit-down restaurant. <laughs> I think many times you say, quick, give me the quick fix. I'm on my way, right? That's right. That's but God, we would never do that with anyone else, would we? Would we do that with our spouse? Say, you know, quick, give me the, the quick hitter. Yep, okay, I'm out. Or do I sit down and say, hey, how are you doing? How was your day? And, and you Listen. And in the same way, we talk with God and commune with him and say, God, what do you want to say? I'm not in a rush. I'm not in a hurry. To to, to make that a, a thing where we actually give time to God is number one. But number two, I think, and it's a deeper heart issue here. Because I think many of us, many of us believe that God could speak to us, right? I think there's no, no one here is denying that. But I think the true question that needs to be asked here, that the Holy Spirit is asking each one of us is, Do we believe God would speak to us through dreams and visions? If we're honest, I'm not condemning anyone here. I just, I want to take inventory of how we're doing as the bride of Christ right now. Because I think this is a a diagnosis, like a doctor going in saying, what's the problem here? Why isn't this functioning correctly? I think the, the diagnosis would be the sin of unbelief. I think that's it. I think I hear so many times in churches and Christian circles, uh, yeah, there are gifts of teaching, there are gifts of mercy, there are gifts of helps and all those. But prophecy, yeah, we don't really believe in that one. Or if we do, I put a seatbelt on with that one, right? I, I hear that language all the time. And I totally understand where people are coming from, by the way. I totally understand. But at the same time, unbelief is no small thing, church. If we would apply this idea of you know unbelief and we can mask it by saying, well, again, I, I'm open but cautious. Open but cautious. Where in the world do we see that applied to any other biblical command? Paul says in God's word, lust after the spiritual gifts, especially prophecy. And we say, open but cautious. <laughs> maybe, God, maybe. Let me take that open but cautious mindset of of really what is just sin of unbelief and put that on top of any other Bible verse. Would we be open but cautious to justification by faith? Would we be open to loving our spouse but cautious? Would we be open to sharing our faith with the lost but cautious? Where are there any other commands in scripture that we simply overlay with this unbelief to say, "Eh, maybe, maybe God. Why do we do it with prophecy? Why do we do it with dreams? Why do we do it with visions when this is a biblical norm and God has given us everything we need to know how to function with them? And I know because I know many of you personally right here in this room, that your heart is not to be disobedient. It's not to be a rebel. It's not to refuse God. I know that's not our heart. So I just want to remind us that that's, this is not me coming at you or coming at us as a family. It's simply diagnosing something that I think is keeping us from functioning in fullness. I know that everyone's heart here, as I look around the room, your heart is to obey God. You love God's word. You want to be faithful. And I've seen you doing it. And so this is me fanning into flame to say, let's not only be hearers of the word when it comes to prophecy. Let's be doers. Let's be doers. Let's actually believe God at his word. Let's start believing that the father still wants to speak to his children. And let's stop believing the thought that God only speaks to the spiritual elites the ones who have it all together, the ones who've been walking with Jesus for only 40 plus years, right? That is not, we need to understand that is a lie from the pit of hell. It is, it is. And it has stopped so many of God's children from hearing his voice. All of the sheep know the shepherd's voice. And God does not have favorites. He does not have favorites. He does not speak to some people more than others. Those people just listen. He does not have favorites, but he does have intimates. The ones that draw close to him. God draws close to the ones who draw near to him in James, right? And so let's be a church that seeks after him, that draws near to him and let him draw near to us. And I want to assure us: it may not be, the way God speaks to us may not be dreams and visions specifically for you. And don't be discouraged by that. God knows how to best relate to you. God, the father, knows that all of his children are different and all the children need different ways to be spoken to. And so don't be discouraged if it's not specifically dreams and visions. But if the still, small voice of God, the whisper, right, is coming to you to be open to it, to seek that, to make time for that, and to listen to that. Because honestly, I wonder how many times in unbelief, me included, have actually missed out On God speaking how many times God wanted me to encourage someone with a specific verse or a specific thing that was put on my heart in a prophetic way how many times God wanted me to actually pray for the waiter at the restaurant or or give an encouraging word to the barista at the coffee shop how many times did God want me to start that conversation on a Sunday morning or to pray something specifically over that city group member when we were laying hands how many times did God want me to start a conversation with someone at the gym and, and to give them a word that could maybe strengthen them, that lets them know God sees them and loves them? And by how many times in my unbelief, in my doubt, in my honesty just giving no time, I missed out? How many times has that happened in all of our lives? And so maybe huh, you're asking the question then, if that's all true, and the Holy Spirit's ministering to your heart right now, the question is, how do we move towards the prophetic? How do we move towards being a people that positions ourselves to receive dreams and visions from God? Number one, I'll start off by saying the best way is love. There's no coincidence that 1 Corinthians chapter 12 and 14 talk about the gifts, and 13 talks about love. And I hate to break it to us, but... Chapter 13 is not a wedding verse. It's not a wedding passage. (laughs) It's a a passage that tells us how to steward the spiritual gifts in a way that honors God. It's the Oreo cookie sandwich. You gotta have both here, but you get the cream in the middle. The best part, love. And I confess, I have operated in times the gift of prophecy without love. And I tell you, it's a lot harder to hear. And many times I think God has not trusted me in those moments and has not given me words intentionally because he knew that love was not in my heart in those moments that I wanted to make it more about the experience more than about the encounter with God. I I was more excited about, Oh, this is exciting. This is cool. Rather than God, I just want them to know your love. I just want them to know your love. And it's been in those moments, those precious moments of ministry where I've been in those prayer circles laying on hands of people who are crying out to hear and to know God's love, and that's when God gives me a word. That's when God gives me a download of a dream or a vision. or something that can encourage them, and it speaks to them. It cuts straight to their heart, and they, they cry, God sees me. He loves me. And that's the best way to operate in the gift. It's the only way to operate in the gift. So number one, I'll start with that. 1 Corinthians 13.2 says that if I had the gift of prophecy and I understand all of God's secret plans, speaking hyperbole here, possessed all knowledge, and if I had such faith that I could move mountains but didn't love others, I would be nothing. So i tell you, the way not to operate and position ourselves to be prophetic and to receive prophetic words from God is to operate in anything other than love. Otherwise, we're nothing. We're nothing. You're the squeaky gate. Get out of here. No one wants to hear you. I confess that the times, again, I, I felt that discouragement. Again, God has had to draw me back time and time again. Love me, love people. That, that's the goal of these gifts, to love people with power. That's what the spiritual gifts are for. And if they're used for anything else, they do not honor God. That's right. I want to also clarify that prophecy. When there are visions or words given that God gives to someone, it's not so that we can just read each other's minds. This isn't, you know, just for gossip of the sake of, this is a cool party trick. You know, like, this is not what prophecy is. You don't have to be, you know, in my presence be like, oh, Justin probably knows what I did. Like, I, that's not what it is. Like, I don't know what's going on in your minds right now. That's not prophecy. It's not just the ability to read people's minds and expose them. It's the ability to speak in a way that reaches them what they need to hear in that moment. Prophecy shows us that what God has always wanted with us is closeness. He wants intimacy. And I tell you, if there's anything that fuels the prophetic, it's intimacy. If you have an empty gas tank, no intimacy with God, you're going to be running on fumes. It's going to be a lot harder to hear. See, that the ultimate example that God wants this closeness is Jesus on the cross. Amen. And prophecy is one of those gifts that he gives us on this side of the cross to continue to experience that closeness. Just like God used dreams to bring Joseph close, God may be using dreams and visions in your life to bring you close to him. Whether you're a believer, maybe you're not a believer yet. And you've had some dreams lately, and you feel like God is drawing you close. That is intentional, that is his purpose. Lean into that. And so the practical application, what's next? I don't have time to unfortunately just train and, and equip every little detail right now, so I would invite you into our next waiting room. Yep. This is the time where we intentionally wait on words. We, we pray for people to receive prophetic gifts. We, we actually train people up how to test words and to see if they are actually from God. We give space for people to share those words and to build others up. And 10 out of 10 times, it builds people's faith. People walk out giving a prophetic word for the first time. People receive words for the first time, and it blesses them. We've had two people in the last year give their lives to Jesus because prophetic words were given that God cut straight to their heart and showed them, I see you, I love you, and it led them to a saving faith. This is the gift. It is a gift. And so as I close, I'll go ahead and invite the band up right now. I'll end with this passage. 1 Corinthians 13, 8 through 10 says, Prophecy and speaking in unknown languages and special knowledge will become useless, but love will last forever. Now, our knowledge is partial and incomplete, and even the gift of prophecy reveals only part of the whole picture. But when the time of perfection comes, these partial things will become useless. So why do I say that? After ramping this up for prophecy and to tell you, well, one day it's going to end and it'll be useless. Why? Because one day Jesus will return. One day perfection will come. Love himself will step down off of that white horse and wipe every one of our tears away. And he himself will restore us, he will comfort us, and he will strengthen us with all knowledge, wisdom, and power. And we will not need prophecy. We will not need dreams. We will not need visions because we will hear from him and see him face to face. But until that day comes, would we not be the faithful messengers to listen, to hear from God on someone else's behalf so that they could receive and hear from God as well? That until we hear God face to face, would we not be a people that wants to hear him through prophecy? We wanna hear him in any way his Holy Spirit is speaking to him until the day he returns and none of it will be needed any longer. So at this time, I'm gonna have us just bow our heads in a time of prayer. Nothing I said will matter unless God blesses it. Nothing will happen unless the Holy Spirit empowers it. And so I just wanna give us time and space to actually talk to the Holy Spirit. been his presence here this morning with us you felt the stillness you felt the comfort you felt the peace, that's him and I'm going to go ahead and just read this prayer and I don't want you to pray it with me I just want you to listen right now and if the Holy Spirit resonates it with your heart then we'll go a second round and I'll actually have us then pray it But this first time just listen Holy Spirit, I confess I haven't really had a personal relationship with you like I do with the Father and Jesus. I've been afraid, intimidated, not knowing how to. I have avoided your signs and wonders, your dreams and visions. I've denied them and have even given credit to the enemy for them. I have quenched you. I've grieved you. Please forgive me. You are the third person of the triune God, Yahweh. You are my God. Holy Spirit, I thank you for all you do in my life. You were the one who convicted me and opened my eyes when I first placed my faith in Jesus. And you've been the one who only continues to help me in the moments when I am anxious, brokenhearted, alone, alone and afraid. Holy Spirit, I love you. Holy Spirit, I love you. I want you. I need you. I want to have friendship with you in all parts of my life. I don't wanna keep living life in my own wisdom, power, or understanding. I surrender. I choose to partner with you to see your heavenly kingdom advance. Holy Spirit, fill me with your power, your gifts, your heart, your mind, so I can love people like you do. I love you. Thank you, Lord. If you feel like Holy Spirit is resonating that with your spirit and he's urging you on, championing you on to surrender, and a new level of intimacy and relationship with him. I would invite you to just pray this. Repeat after me, you can do it aloud, you can just do it in your own heart. God hears you. Holy Spirit, I confess I haven't really had a personal relationship with you like I do with the Father and Jesus. I've been afraid intimidated, not knowing how to. I have avoided your signs and wonders, your dreams and visions, denied them, and have even given credit to the enemy for them. I have quenched you. I have grieved your heart. Please forgive me. You are the third person of the triune God, Yahweh, and you are my God, Spirit, thank you for all you do in my life. You were the one who convicted me and opened my eyes when I first placed my faith in Jesus. And you've been the one who only continues to help me in the moments when I am anxious, brokenhearted, alone, and afraid. Holy Spirit, I love you. I want you. I need you. I want to have friendship with you in all parts of my life I don't want to keep living life in my own wisdom, power or understanding I surrender I choose to partner with you to see your heavenly kingdom advance Holy Spirit fill me with your power your gifts, your heart and your mind so I can love people like you do I love you. Thank you, Lord. Would everyone's eyes stay closed and I would just invite you, if you felt like this is the day that the Holy Spirit has called you into this new intimacy, a new level of surrender, I would just ask you, would would you raise your hand? I want to pray for you specifically. Would you also raise your hand if You're asking that God would speak to you prophetically in dreams and visions, that you desire that. I see you. You can put down your hands. Holy Spirit, you saw those people, you know them by name. And Father, I'm asking that you would impart and give and outpour spiritual gifts of prophecy in Jesus' name. Holy Spirit, I'm asking that you would fill them afresh in a way that is immersive to a point where they feel like they're overflowing with you in love and in intimacy and in closeness in Jesus' name. Let their cup pour over with your love. And Father, I'm asking that you would speak to these precious children of yours, through dreams and visions, through the still small voice that is so recognizably yours, that it would build them up in their faith, it would feel your good pleasure, it would feel close, and that God, you would bless them with words for other people. That God, you would pour out words of knowledge and words of wisdom, words of encouragement, that they would actually go out and and share those words in faith in order to see others know the love as well. Please, Holy Spirit, we can do nothing apart from you. We ask, God, for your mercy and your grace, your outpouring, for your glory and your glory alone. We ask in Jesus' name.